This episode of InsureTech Insider is proudly brought to you by Deloitte. They are focused on uniting the bright ideas from InsureTech with large-scale traditional carriers and everything in between, bringing their wealth of industry experience and technology know-how into the mix and helping to drive the pace of change and transform insurance as we know it. Small business financial services are only 1% finished. Our latest research examines the jobs to be done and cultural insights on what U.S. business owners need and the digital services that will help them meet their goals. Download the research for free by heading to bit.ly forward slash digital SME, all lowercase letters. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash D-I-G-I-T-A-L-S-M-B. Hi everyone, I'm Sarah Kachansky and welcome to episode 66 of InsureTech Insider. Uh, we hope everyone is staying safe out there. We are still recording remotely here in London. Um, one upside of that is that we can have guests along from all around the world. So do get in contact by sending us an email to podcast11fs.com if you know someone we should get on the show. So today we're talking about customer loyalty in insurance. According to a survey done by SoGo Survey, only a handful of insurance companies are succeeding in creating relationships with their customers that result in renewal, the purchase of additional products, or and recommending the company to others. We're going to take a look at what challenges insurers face in building good customer relationships, how insurance companies that are succeeding in this area are doing it right, and what others are doing wrong. As always, I'm not alone, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Nigel Walsh. How are you doing, Nigel? I'm fine and dandy, thank you very much. I'm, I'm very well, apart from Mrs. Walsh has banned me from the snack cupboard from being at home too long. I think I think we all need padlocks on our snack cupboards at this stage. <laughs> I, I, I do not She's think you... She's just caught me, though. I feel, I feel, I feel, yeah, I want chocolate. <laughs> You need a you need a secret stash, Nigel. I, I definitely need that, but she controls the ordering as well. I mean, anyway, different day, different conversation. <laughs> uh, well, shops are starting to open here. I'm sure you'll be allowed outside soon. Um, joining us are three amazing guests. First up, we have Dr. Robin Kira, founder of Digital Scouting. How are you today, Robin? And where are you? Are you in the UK or are you somewhere exotic? Uh, I, I'm very fine. I'm in Hamburg, Germany currently, and uh, I think that we have uh, London weather here today. It's raining a little bit. Oh, bad luck. It's actually quite sunny here, so maybe we've switched for a bit. Um, can you give us a little bit of info? Can you tell us a little bit about digital scouting? Yeah, happy to. So digital scouting, uh, to say I'm the founder is is, is quite correct because uh, I found it. Uh, you know, it, 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 it happened. I never intended it to be. I I'm an, I always say I'm an insurance agent uh, that is recovering from selling insurance. That's why I started. I did also like internal projects. And at some point, I found myself ranting on stages about the sad state of the industry and about this old, old white man that, you know, were delusional saying the Internet is going to go away and we don't do any apps and things like that. And I was just thinking, you know, if I never get a job in this industry again, I don't care. I'm just now talking about the elephant in the room. Uh, and, um, you know, um, in spite of the booing of the of some, uh, I got a lot of calls at some point that said, hey, Robin, uh, let's talk and come by and let's chat a little bit. And uh, so that's how Digital Scouting came into existence, which is in first place a blog, a website, a social media outlet. So if you have not joined us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter or TikTok, do it now. Uh, sorry for the cross promotion. Uh, but what we do actually is we help insurers and banks with uh, ha attention hacking, well, how we call it. We do market entry strategies for service providers uh, and a little bit of strategy and product. That's what we do behind the scenes. 
Brilliant. Very exciting. Um, secondly, we have Christian Zajac, CEO and founder of Hero. How are you today, Christian? And uh, where are you? Anywhere? Can you beat Hamburg with exotic locations? <laughs> no, no, not really, no. Uh, hey, uh, thanks for having me here. Uh, no, I, I live in London, you know, so yeah, uh, same, 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 you know, as, as, as most of us nowadays, uh, stuck uh, in, in my, in my, you know, at my home. Uh, so, um, yeah, uh, nothing special, I'm afraid. Um, That's all uh, right. It's, I always have to ask. Um, would you like to give us a little bit of insight into Hero? Yes. Well, so uh, Hero is a, uh, we are building a, a challenger insurer where we want to treat people more fairly with uh, a price that is based on how they take care of their home, not just some old dusty database. Uh, in, in particular, we pay attention to uh, smart technology. So if, uh, if you've invested in uh, uh, some tech that makes your home safer or more secure, we do want to recognize that and uh, provide you with a better, fairer price. Brilliant. Um, that sounds very interesting. Um, and last, but by no means least, we have Oliver Baxter, who is head of brand and product by Miles. Hello, Oliver. Uh, whereabouts are you? Hello, Sarah. Um, I am also in London, so no exotic lockdown locations for me, I'm afraid. <laughs> That's all right. You know, I'm, I'm waiting one day for somebody to tell me they're in Bermuda, um, and then I well, probably that would just invoke huge amounts of jealousy. Well, I'll just, uh, lie, I'll just lie next time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, set one of those Zoom backgrounds up with a palm tree behind you and nobody will ever know. Um, before we get started, do you want to give us a quick insight into what By Miles is? Yes. Um, so um, I, the, the things that Christian is saying are, are resonating well with me because we have a similar mission. Um, but for, we're, we're By Miles and we are the UK's only uh, pay-by-mile car insurance policy, which we believe offers a fairer um, and obviously more flexible alternative for low mileage drivers. Um, it's a much fairer way of insuring the car the whole year round if you don't drive much, because if you're not driving, you're far less likely uh, to have an accident and therefore far less likely to make a claim. Um, and I'm sure I don't need to tell everyone on this podcast, that's certainly a conversation that's coming to the fore uh, during lockdown, um, as in some insurers are being uh, encouraged to refund premiums for people who uh, have been parked up. Um, yeah, briefly with pay by mile car insurance, you pay a lower fixed upfront cost for the year to cover your car while it's parked. And then a few pence for every mile that you drive. Um, and then you just automatically pay for the miles that you've driven at the end of each month, like a mobile phone bill or a credit card statement. So that's yeah, a simple explanation as to how it works. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much to all of you for joining me today. Let's get on with the show. So I'm going to start today and set the scene by talking about some stats from Insurance Edge. So more than a third of UK customers feel no loyalty to their insurance provider. One in five customers, 21% that is, have switched insurance providers in the past year, with 83% saying that cost had influenced the decision to leave the previous provider. Nearly half of respondents, 47%, said that they feel it no longer pays to be loyal to any brand. Um, and just one last one, it can cost five times as much to acquire a new customer as it does to retain an existing one. So all in all, it sounds like we have a problem. Um, let's start with the big question. Um, are consumers particularly disloyal to insurers in contrast to like other types of financial service providers? And um, if they are, why is that? Who wants to go first? Well, I, I, maybe I can start. Uh, I, I can't answer whether they are more disloyal than um, towards other 
um, providers. But the challenge we, as we see it, is that there is no, at least in home insurance, there is no value. Um, beyond um, a potential, you know, um, payout when there's a claim. So you buy insurance and you put it in the drawer and you hope to never use it again. And uh, you, you only kind of interact with your insurer when you have to renew or when you have to make a claim, which is not uh, something positive. So the, the re, there is just no engagement. There is the, for no loyalty, and the, the retentions the retentions are really low. Uh, we would like to, I mean, as Hero, we would like to change it by providing value, whether you claim or not. And uh, with with other services, I guess you get some value out of it on daily basis. Whereas with insurance, it's just it's just you know uh, some, some, it's just undesirable grudge, grudge purchases. ABI calls it themselves. No, come on. So I, I'm going to add a bit more colour to the question. And I think given that we've got a global audience on on um, on the podcast, it might make a little bit of a difference. I don't think asking whether customers are on, on their own or loyal or not without context of geography, i.e. US, Europe versus UK, and whether it's commercial or personal, Changes now. I know the article we're referring to here is very much on personal lines UK, and I suspect that the UK market's been heavily um, serviced by price comparison websites. They don't actually exist in North America or, or the same way in in Germany, for example. So, Robin, you'll have a view about how in Hamburg or elsewhere that the broker or agent and what your loyalty is to those folks versus Sarah, you, myself, or Oliver jumping on to a, a price comparison website comparing our criteria and getting back loads of quotes in seconds. I think it's different all over the world. Um, so saying they're disloyal, I think, does depend on where we sit. Are you saying that some people are loyal to their insurers in other, in other territories? Yes, very much so. So I'm a little bit of schizophrenic uh, when it comes to that discussion, because on the one side, I think uh, we all know the numbers, which are the most popular industries around and insurance is regularly at the bottom of that list, only followed by bankers and politicians, you know, and sometimes we're beaten by politicians when it comes to last place. So, and I would, I always say it's no accident that we are there. We really deserve it. And I've been an agent myself and I know how insurance policies are sold uh, and what kind of um, competitions you have and rankings and so 50 more in accident insurance this month. And you get a, you get a handshake from the sea suit or something like that. And uh, you can get a bus trip to the next village and get really drunk and let's do and chaka and all of that. I mean, people make fun about this. There's a certain sales organizations that sell this way. But to be quite honest, most insurance are sold like this around the world when it comes to physical sales process. And that's one of the reasons uh, why we have such a bad reputation because policies are sold to people uh, and pushed into their throats. And by the way, I have been, this has happened to me too, even though I'm like a totally insurance nerd and, you know, I have been a salesperson myself. I had been also sold weird products by by people that, you know, at the end it came out that it, uh, it was not, in, you know, it was not the same. And it actually happened a few months ago when I changed health insurance. Um, and, um, 
Uh, but, but that's a different story. On the other hand, I need to say, I have my few uh, insurance friends and agents, actually the agent I worked at, uh, you know, uh, when I uh, have a, a policy or something I need to do, like a term life insurance I, ne I needed a few uh, months ago, I just went to him. It was a little bit more expensive because it's a market leader. But I said, you know, I don't care. I know he's there and he will help, you know, me or, you know, when it's term life, probably not me, but more my wife um, <laughs> when there's the claim. So it's a little schizophrenic. If you have a very good agent you trust or a broker you trust in that like also in the commercial lines it's the same um, then they have a um, great reputation people are super loyal to these individuals but they're not loyal to the brand because um, you know um, uh, I think they're not loyal to the brand and the second thing is um, I think it's a pity that they're not that, that that's that they're not loyal to us and that you know our brands are all vanilla I, I think I agree here that the point is that to Robin that the customer is loyal to the individual who is selling them the insurance and they could be using that individual because it's cheaper. Like they could be because they know that person will get them the best deal. So that is a possibility as well. Um, Oliver, you wanted to jump in there. Well, so I think that aggregates in the UK, um, you know, we buy miles, we only sell policies in the UK. Um, so that's the market that we care most about. But in the UK, it's obviously aggregators, price comparison sites, as a as a buyer of car insurance, as a consumer, um, I think they're brilliant. Um, I'm used to using, you know, eBay or uh, Amazon to compare the prices of products out there on the marketplace for anything else. So why shouldn't I do the same for insurance? It's the fact that this has. I think it's their brand is the brands are so commoditized, and even the perceived value of the product is so commoditized it can only be it's only fit in in the details you see on a comparison site only fit into sort of six boxes wide and you lose all of the sort of subtleties of whether the claims process is going to be great whether there are any value adds to christian's point um and i think i yeah i, I don't want to come out too too strong but uh we're seeing a lot of loyalty um, with buy miles because we we have a clear differentiation. Our pricing model works totally differently. We have a very clear mission that our customers believe in, and now more than ever, they recognise is something that gives actually gives them value. We launch different features and tools which they can't get anywhere else. So actually, they're building a sort of loyalty that just we're offering them a chance to recognise something that's different. So have you got a, have you got a view then? Because there's two metrics here that I think are, are, are equally interesting. Have you got a perspective on the de age demographic for your customers compared to those that might go to a price comparison site? Is it is it a younger driver that's coming to you by default, or have you got a, a good spectrum? Uh, we've got a, we've got a good spectrum, but what's been very interesting is that we the, the sort of average age of, of drivers on buy miles policies, which is unheard of for a telematics policy, like a black, a black box policy, is around the age of 40. That's the average price. And I think that car insurers have been making a bit of a, it was a bit of a misstep to assume that you can only use black box as a, a carrot or a stick to reward good driving when actually there's so much more data that that produces. And you can use that to deliver value added services, to deliver different pricing models, so I think it was a bit of a misstep. I expect, especially after what's going on now, insurers are going to have to go back, motor insurers particularly, are going to have to go, look, go back and look at their pricing models again because they don't want to be pressured into having to issue these refunds again. So, yeah, yeah. So can we just um, pick up some other points here, Nigel? Because I know where you're going. Nigel's going to go down a rabbit hole and I'm going to have to pull him back out again. So um, 
<laughs> just to keep the conversation moving, um, I think we've kind of agreed that there's a couple of different elements here. So we've, we've talked about price, and there will I think there will always be some customers who will always be driven by price. That that will just always be the case. That maybe because of their circumstances or whatever else. Um, and then we're talking perhaps there, James um, Oliver, what you touched on there was a sort of flexibility, you know, this kind of ability to, to move things around. Um, you know, what what other factors are important when we're talking about loyalty? So one that comes up quite a lot um, when I, the other side of what I do is in, in the fintech space is brand. And actually people seem to think that brand doesn't matter anymore. And actually I argue the complete opposite. I think your brand and the reputation and the image you project so it has a huge importance to your ability to attract customers and retain them. Um you know, to, to Robin's point earlier about insurers having insurers as a brand being being perceived negatively. Um, what do we think that, that that the impact there is on insurance? So do the big insurers have a particularly bad brand? Have some done better than others? We don't have to name any names. Do the, the new players, you know, have negatives and positives? Because A, nobody's heard of them, but B, that means they can't have a bad reputation yet. What is the importance of brand here in customer loyalty? Um, I would love to name some names. Um, I'm not sure if you guys saw the new Allianz commercial with Usain Bolt. Don't get me wrong, Usain Bolt, super impressive sports person, deeply respect what he achieved. So that so that's not, not nothing has to do with him. But it's like a, such a typical advertisement. It's uh, you know he's running through his uh, home uh, region, and then at the end uh, you see a little bit of logo. This is how you did advertising 20 years ago. Uh, because you didn't have any technology to um, uh, spend or waste your 10 million or 15 million in a different way. What I always say, do not spend 10 million uh, on one uh, video, spend it on 345 or better 3,423 videos for different customer segmentations. Because what I think uh, the good point is uh, we had uh, about the pricing uh, uh, argument is, yes, there are segments, uh, customer segments for them is price everything, but you have other segments that for them price is not everything. For example, trust is a point, convenience is a point. Um, proximity? And, hmm? Proximity to location? That's true, yeah. So, so to, to answer the question about the loyalty, I think uh, in, if brands are communicating in a way for 20 years ago, do not uh, approach a, a customer uh, in, in their in their individual or group individual demands, um, but just you know send out an ad that looks the same everywhere and has no nothing uh, with their life uh, in, in common. I think that we should not be surprised that our brands uh, are, are, you know, perceived as vanilla or as, you know, as, as something um, you could exchange. But if you go into niches, if you go into different customer segments, um, then you can be super successful. And by the way, a lot of agents uh, do that. They are super strong in the demographic, super strong in an ethnic group, super strong in the region, um, and uh, they are the differentiator there. So I think brand, brand so, so one, one, one more thing. I think brand is so super important in the future. If we have insurance as a service, software as a service, and all of that, what is going to differentiate us? I think it's the brand will be the main key differentiator. I think that's a very interesting point, and a point I've made before about bank um, adverts is that particularly in the UK, they are so vanilla that they don't make sense anymore. There's a particular one in the UK, which is a bank that has a load of horses running across a beach with a power ballad playing in the background, and I I, lit I have literally no idea what they're trying to tell me. Like, I, I just don't get it. Um, so I think we see that across financial services industry. I will come to you, Nigel, but I'm going to let Oliver make his point first, and then you can make yours. I was just going to touch on, thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Nigel. Um, I was just going to touch on the definition of, of what brand even means, because I think 
often people take the assumption that well that they summarize brand as the logo that you see on the comparison sites or the the big tv ad the big splashy tv ad but brand isn't something that you say brand is something that you do and it needs to be threaded throughout everything that you do and i think that again insurers have done themselves a great disservice by using white label digital products so sometimes you go into the same car insurers anyway you go into the same quote flow which just has a slightly different color scheme and different logo, but essentially it's the same white label solution. You then have the b- very, very basic service. Here are your policy documents. They don't read any differently to anyone else's policy documents. They have the same jargon. They're very difficult to interpret. And then when it comes down to the service, they make it difficult. You only speak to them a couple of times a year if you need to make a claim or if they're putting your price up uh, on renewal. And basically the, these brands have sort of instilled in the consumer a intense mistrust and then you have the loyalty penalty where you were people just now just expect their price to go up on renewal so the stuff that they're doing rather than the things that they're saying and showing the stuff they're doing doesn't make any differentiation they've just got they're just sort of this big amorphous blob and even when you have you know churchill who rebranded recently really cool new logo great really nice tv ad with a dog on a on a skateboard but if the rest of the the thing the things they do, if that doesn't change, then people are just going to assume they're the same as every single other car insurance company they see on a comparison site. I, I couldn't agree more. I was going to ask you, Sarah, what did you define as as a as a brand? Because uh, yeah, as Oliver said, it, it's 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 not just about logo, you know. And uh, and uh, I I think the, a, a good good kind of example, I guess, is. Uh, Looking at the challenger banks in the UK, the Revo, I mean Revolut, Monzo, uh, Starling Bank, they they didn't have any major backing behind them. They didn't use you know like a recognizable bank to gain credibility. It was all about building the community, about the vision and you know and, and mission and core values and just just uh, kind of building the brand from the ground up um, in, in a novel way, in a completely different way. And and you know traditional brands could probably change. You know, you, you've got examples of of, uh, you know, of other industries where a, a brand kind of disappeared for a while and then came back up strong again. But but traditional insurance are just not doing anything um, interesting within the you know within the marketing space. It's just ex- with a few exceptions, uh, and even the exceptions that, that you know that I have in mind use uh, additional brands to, to you know to to to, um, to tap into. They use price comparison websites. They've just become lazy. This is the only way they acquire customers, you know. And, and I, I don't agree. I don't agree at all. They... Okay. I mean, I'm I'm curious to hear your, your you know your take on that. But the reality is, vast the vast majority of them, and I'm talking about the the incumbents. Okay, I'm talking about the big brands. Uh, they, they they just it's just it's just a race to the bottom. It, it, that's all it is. It's going to change now with the FCA, you know, trying to step in and and and, and change it. But uh, as Oliver say, you you, you 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 know, for being a loyal customer, you you just get a, a price increase at, at you know when it comes to your renewal. That, that there's nothing innovative here. Show me. I mean, I'd be keen to see some, some, you know, a, a cool branding experiment. You know, not branding, a marketing experiment uh, within the insurance space uh, from incumbents. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think, I think the, the I completely. You, I should have been more specific, but for me, the brand is anything that's associated with the company name or logo. So it is everything, and and particularly when I talk about the brands and and the, the near banks and the fintech space, it is 
to Oliver's point, everything they say and do. So brand Monzo's brand is associated with 100% transparency. They're not always right, but you know that that is an association with them, as well as the hot coral card and the weird advertising. Revolut has a really interesting brand image because a lot of what it does turns people off, but it doesn't seem to care about that. Um, Nigel, go for it. Tell us why you disagree with us all. No, it's not disagree with you all. It's, it, but you've got me thinking. There's so many different points that everyone's raised. It's 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 fascinating because I'm trying to relate it back to both me as a consumer and not just of insurance, but then other parts of the insurance chain. So, so a couple of simple examples. I've been with the same mobile phone provider since they started, and I've never bothered changing. My assumption being, in the nicest possible way, it's a dumb pipe. It's as good a value as anyone else's, and they all provide broadly the same service. And it's a utility. It goes up and down with my usage. So I actually have a very similar view of insurance sometimes for my personal use. Providing I get a reasonable price, then, and to your point here, Nasser, the brand is someone I trust, then I'm actually okay with it. But then that goes back to my question to um, to Oliver earlier about is there a demographic that that matters to or not? And I'm not sure it does. But then I got started thinking in my head as you were talking, well, is brand tied to an organization or to an individual? And to your point about hot coral cards, or whatever it might be, let's jump out of personal lines for a second and jump into brokered insurance policy. Let's assume uh, Robin's broker moves from tier, uh, company A to company B. Is Robin loyal to broker? and then it therefore moves his business when it comes to renewal, or is he going to stick with the new uh, broker that turns up from company A? And I think in many cases, this is why I said proximity earlier, in many cases, if I go to the US, I asked a friend of mine, I said, well, you know, why do you insure with XYZ firm? He goes, well, mum and dad used to do it. Have you ever looked at anyone else? No, why not? And the answer was, oh, they got a, they got a, a shop in my local village. Oh, great. Okay. How many times have you been in there? Never. So it's almost, I generally think, uh, and every time we go on to the debate about brand and loyalty, I don't think we can have a sweeping statement that answers the question globally, by dem- uh, either by country by country or by demographic or by line of business. Because I think there are so many different factors to bring in, um, even things like whether you've had a claims experience or not. You know, if you've had a good claims experience um, with a company, you're likely to stay. If you had a bad claims experience, you're likely to disappear. Uh, and again, cost doesn't come into an issue there. But no one goes on to a price comparison website and searches by FIFO or Trustpilot rating to get there in the first place. They, they go to a price comparison website to search on price. Unfortunately not. I wish they did. <laughs> I completely agree. So, I, yeah, I think, I think we can... I think generally speaking, we agree with the point that there are differences across product lines and across you know countries and, and demographics and geographies. But I think we have to take the point that, generally speaking, insurers do not have great customer loyalty, like wherever you look. No, um, they don't. The retention just, rate is just 62% when it comes to home insurance in the UK, which translates to two and a half years of customer lifetime value. This is, this is just disaster. I think I think that put it in, to put it into context, and I wish I had some statistics. But if you were to look at the loyalty to insurance providers versus loyalty to banks, unless your insurance provider is the same as your bank, which obviously is very much the case in some parts of the world, then the loyalty to a bank is much much higher. But Usually, I think, 
but but this is purely because you don't there, there are no friction points there are no renewals you know the, the the reason you know you don't switch bank often is because you don't have to look at the letter that comes through your you know letter box with with a price increase on it so um i think I think you get a very simple service from a bank or from a f- mobile phone provider in the terms of, in terms of you, you your bank you want to know that they're not going to go under you want to know your money is safe and then there's sort of a secondary you know interest rates so bad anyway but you want to know that you're going to make good interest or not have to pay too high interest on something but ultimately if they don't muck that up and they don't look like they're going under you're going to stay with them and on on nigel's point with um sort of uh with phone phone contracts you basically want essentially you want a good price um you look at three variables data minutes and texts which to be honest are much for muchness these days so the basic thing you want is uh, is good coverage and you want and you want good coverage, and as long as they don't muck that up and they have loads of don't have loads of outages, again you'll stay with them. I think with car insurance, particularly, sorry to bang on about it, it is it is my wheelhouse, but uh, you know, you if you don't have a bad claim experience, then everything else, if they get everything else right, and then they just try and try their best to retain the price and not break trust there, you will get loyalty. But I think that. W- Insurance companies, car insurance companies particularly, have done so much to destroy and erode that loyalty, to secretly try and auto-renew people onto higher prices, to secretly try and weasel out of terms in their um, policy documents at claims time that aren't clearly written. They've created this lack of brand loyalty themselves. Okay, so I'm going to pause it there because we have to take a quick break. So just before we continue, are you switching up your morning routine now we're all social distancing? Well, so are we. In fact, we've started two daily breakfast shows to help you kick off your day on both sides of the Atlantic. On the Fintech Insider Breakfast Show, we chat about the latest news with a series of industry guests all calling in remotely. It goes live on LinkedIn every morning at 8.30am BST. Just follow David Breer on LinkedIn. And if you're US-based and 8.30 BST is just a little bit too early, do not worry, we haven't forgotten you. We also have a US option. Fintech Insider Breakfast Show US is hosted by Sam Moore and goes live at 10.30 ET, so grab a coffee and tune in. For the US show, just follow 11.fs on LinkedIn to get the daily notification. And for both shows, don't forget to add your comments in the thread. We love hearing where you're tuning in from and we'll try and answer as many questions as we can on each show. All right. Back to the show. So I'm going to kick off by talking about um, kick off this half by talking about a report recently published by the FCA. We sort of uh, touched on this already, um, but the report was published in late 2019, and in the UK, it showed there was a widespread evidence of a loyalty penalty. Um, it accused insurers of specifically targeting loyal customers with big premium hikes and the knowledge they were less likely to switch. So we've already covered this a little bit in the, in the previous half. Um, just the, you know, the quote that, that um, exemplifies this or sums this up really from Christopher Woolard, the Executive Director of Strategy and Competition at the FCA, um, is that while a large number of people do shop around, many loyal customers are not getting a good deal. And in the UK, the FCA estimated that this affected 6 million customers. So um, is loyalty premium a thing everywhere or is it just in specific sectors and geographies? Um, and what, you know, what, what can we do? What, what can be done about this? Because, you know, obviously there's a moral or ethical question which the UK regulator has decided to get involved in. But it also doesn't sound like a very sound business decision. Um, so who wants to jump in on that? Robin, you go first. 
I have a funny story to tell because uh, a very large uh, German insurer uh, introduced a new car product uh, one year ago. And uh, yeah, it was a lot cheaper than the current one. And uh, the sales organization, not the organization, but the sales manager uh, were super afraid that uh, all agents would go out and uh, go to their clients and say, hey, here is a new lower uh, premium product. And you know the difference we can put into a different product uh, or to at least have a nice conversation with those. Uh, and there are, you know, um, stories being told how uh, sales managers went to uh, their agents and, you know, not threatened to uh, to uh, hang them on the next tree if they would switch any or offer any existing client a um, this new uh, uh, product, um, but it was really, really close to that. And I think this underlines the, the, the problem. But, but the funny thing is, how did agents uh, react to that? They didn't care what these uh, employed managers said. They are independent uh, entrepreneurs and they, in a lot of cases, did what was uh, best for them and uh, for their clients. And uh, at the end, it comes down to, um, as an agent, um, are you looking for the short money or the long money? And uh, all these super successful agents have built up their uh, product, uh, their customer portfolio over years and years and years, uh, playing the long game and caring for the customer, doing something. And that's how they gained their trust and their reputation in their region. Um, but it sh you're right. There is this loyalty uh, uh, penalty, but um, in, in, in not in all lines of businesses over here, um, only in car, maybe, but in others, uh, not. Okay, interesting. Christian, uh, Oliver, did you want to, to comment on that? Well, in, in car insurance, in a word, yes, um, the loyalty penalty is very much still a problem. You just need to go on Twitter, type in the words car insurance and renewal, and you just get reams and reams and <laughs> Hours reams. Hours of fun. Yes, it's absolutely brilliant. Um, I had to encourage James, our CEO, to stop replying to people in the early days uh, on Twitter who were getting bad prices for their insurance renewal. Um, because uh, yeah, he, he was—he just found it far too fun to point out that it doesn't always have to be like that. But um, yeah, traditional insurance companies are still trying to sneak these hikes in by automatically renewing and hoping people won't shop around or even notice. Um, I, I before I came on the show, I saw one on Twitter just from yesterday. A lady checked a comparison site to see what offers were out there for her car insurance. Saw a policy with the same insurer as she was with that was cheaper. So long story short, she spent 35 minutes cancelling and then repurchasing the exact same car insurance policy with the same provider for a £38.96 saving. And imagine uh, wow. what kind of uh, internal cost that has. Imagine what kind of probably <laughs> £150 that costs uh, and a lot of time costs. And I think that shows the insanity in a lot of cases. It's short, so it's short money. As, as you said, it's, it's short money. It's very short-termist. And we have, pub, we have people now, to talk about brand again, on our Tricepilot reviews, ranting about their previous insurer and naming them. And it's just, that's the brand equity that you're buying. <laughs> I, I don't agree with the practice by, by any stretch of the imagination around dual pricing. And this is UK-specific, remember, as opposed to global. I don't agree with the practice, but it's almost a state of the market that everyone's got to. And I think everyone would need to come out of it all at once, hence why it's become a regulator issue, as opposed to some people choosing not to do it. Because you could equally have on the aggregator sites today, people that would what we refer to as brand stacks. You've got one underwriter that has priced according, accordingly so that every one of the things on the front page is actually from the same underwriting organization, just using different brands that are public facing. I think the bigger question for me here is um, 
this loyalty, the people that don't switch around are often, and Sarah and I have talked about this before on the show, uh, vulnerable and they're unable to understand. And as a net result, will end up being penalised. And much has been written about this over the years, hence why the, re- the review is here now. So I think it's come at a critical time and needs an industry uh, intervention to make it right, uh, as opposed to one going, let's take the moral high ground or not. I think it's it's more of a state of affairs about how you play the market uh, as opposed to anything else. I mean, you could say the same thing about smart shopping. How many people use uh, a cashback site to get cashback from things? And we spoke about this before where you could, you can, you know, you can earn hundreds of pounds on your insurance by taking a part of the cashback as well. Now that exists in North America, exists in Europe, exists in lots of different places, but not everyone knows about it. Mm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's, it's the saddest thing is the, is the most vulnerable people. Working in car insurance myself, I'm, I'm, I know how to get the best car insurance price. I know if I switch between this exact insurer and this exact insurer year on year, I'll just keep getting a good price because I'm benefiting from the, the, new, bi- the new business uh, price and I get relatively the same uh, service. But yeah, vulnerable customers, it's just but But maybe, yeah, I mean, but maybe we, should, we should go to this, uh, go one step back. I mean, I listened to a very good show on 11FS this morning. They had a brilliant insurance expert on it. Uh, and he said, maybe I'm curious what you think about that, Nigel, but what he said is um, he was very surprised um, uh, that the industry was able to go remote within a blink of an eye. And I agree. If you if it would uh, have offered me a bet, uh, or one uh, euro to one million euro to bet on it, I would have you know kept my one euro. Um, but what I want to say with this, isn't it actually a different uh, way how we see the customer? How is the customer seen by the insurance industry? In a lot of cases, out of historic reasons, we see him in sales as somebody we need to sell something to push him something down the throat. And in operations, oh, he better should not call or do a claim. We don't want to have anything to do with it. But only a few weeks ago, I had a discussion with a CEO in an official board meeting and where he said, you need to engage with the customer, win the heart, minds and home screens. And he said, I don't want that the customer calls us. This costs us money. You know, is this, this is a certain way of thinking how we see the customer. And then we look at brands that were able to achieve and establish, you know, love for them, passion for them, and that see the customer differently, that try to help them, that try to become part of their daily life, that give value. And what I'm always, where I get really emotional about it is, you know, you have, you know, people that providing phones or gadgets that are not changing the lives of the people in most cases. But what we, as insurance and finance industry, do, we can really, in the finance space, help them to, you know, achieve wealth or manage it or, re- or, or increase it. And in the insurance side, we can help them against the risks of their life. So we should be standing at the side of the customer and not only, uh, you know, people that's, you know, in from, you know, s- sell cell phones. So I think... If we would change that, then the whole different story would be around renewals and rebound a brand and all of that. I think we have a problem with how we see the customer. Okay, so Christian, I'm going to let you have a chance to speak here. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm just quiet because you know, there isn't that much that I can add to it. Uh, I, I don't want to name some names, but uh, I, I, I am aware of companies, many insurers, just uh, running, uh, you know, just analyzing their data and, and realizing that they can hike the price up by up to 10% before people start looking around and, and switch. So they, they just get away with that. They, ju- they just put the price up as much as they can, um, you know, so, so that they statistically they are better off. But this is, this is like a vicious cir- circle, I guess, uh, because uh, they, uh, 
the, the, the main problem is the, this, this race to the bottom when it comes to pricing. They need to offer a very low price to win the customer now because of the fact that price comparison websites dominate uh, our Google search results. If you, if, you, if, you, if, you know, if you search for insurance, the, you know, the, the, the most prominent ads are just price comparison websites and, and, and people buy on price. Probably not the first one, not the cheapest because they want to feel more comfortable so, so they'll, they'll go further down below. But as Nigel said, there are, first of all, multiple brands underwritten by the same uh, capacity provider, but there's also even the same brand that there are same brands with multiple products occupying different kind of levels of this kind of ladder, and this is this is what needs to stop uh, because pe- people buy uh, on, on price. Insurers have to acquire them. The retention isn't there to justify uh, investing in in, in 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 better service, and and it's just uh, it, it needs to finish. And and I, I agree. I mean, it, it, the, the the most vulnerable vulnerable people suffer uh, here because you know I've I've heard stories of you know of of a, of a, of a uh, very elderly uh, woman who stayed with one insurer for like 15 years, and 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 she was actually paying 1,000 pounds more on her policy policy than she would pay if she was a new customer. That was just just crazy. It was just just, just mind blowingly uh, big that- issue. I think that's why the FCA has perhaps stepped in in the UK because it has this, does have this unusual mandate for a regulator that it is supposed to be, um, you know, it's specifically consumer focused and to introduce competition. Um, so, um, you know, we've kind of we've kind of covered a lot of the the problems there, and and uh, we've talked a little bit about perhaps some of the solutions. You know, drawing examples from your own companies and examples you've seen. Um, I just want to wrap up by by sort of focusing a little bit um, on on digital specifically. So, talking about you know insurers going remote. Um, you know how how can digital help insurers with this loyalty problem? What are the things that the tools that they now have in their toolboxes that they can use here? So we've all, we talked about price, you know, it's a very old fashioned mechanism, you know, talking about processes and the way you view the customers, you know, there are, there are obviously technologies out there that can help with this. There are obviously technologies out there that can help with underwriting that can make, you know, make it easier, more efficient, absorb more data to help with underwriting and allow you to build a new business model. That's one that we talk about quite a lot. But, you know, what about things like um, using new technology to, to, to introduce new new customer touch points that enable you to handle more customers at the same time. What about, you know, how do you improve those internal processes? You know, talking about, uh, Robin, your point about how blooming expensive it would be for somebody to to take 35 minutes to, to cancel a policy and then 35 minutes to start a new policy and all the bits of paper, I'm sure they are actual bits of paper that are floating around in the back office to solve that. You know, what is, what is the way that this can be approached, um, you know, as insurers can think about this? I guess, holistically so putting if they say that what they should be doing is putting customers front and center of their businesses and everything they do should be customer centric they will push back and say yes but you know our system's too old and we use too much paper okay how can you counter that argument by saying yes but if you at the same time as adopting a customer centric focus you adopt the idea of being a digital as a as a you know a digital mentality you can you can kill two birds with one stone Oliver, go straight in. Um, so that is that you've hit the nail on the head. It's a cultural thing, putting the customer at the center and working out how do we make this better for the customer? And then in turn, how does that improve loyalty, make retention better for us, improve our sort of customer acquisition cost to lifetime value? And the first thing 
I mean, if, if we've got any competitors to us listening, the first thing you can do to find out how BuyMiles is doing it is to go on our Trustpilot and see what people talk about when they give us a positive review. And one of the things they talk about is the fact that we make their owning a car easier and, dare we say, it, actually sometimes enjoyable. And we use data and we use communication to personalize their experience. So those touch points are actually adding value to their life rather than detracting from it. And it's they don't even often they don't even mention the price, although it is a positive thing for, for low mileage drivers who see they save money. So for just a, a prime example was during the recent storms. So I'm going to talk about something that's not coronavirus for once. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, during the storms uh, that we had in the UK, Storm Kira, Storm, Storm Dennis and Storm Jorge, I think, um, we saw emails going out from all the other major car insurers basically saying, it's going to be pretty busy this weekend with claims, so try not to call unless you're making a claim. Uh, we went out with a, an email that went out to people that said, um, just so you know, these are the sort of claims we saw in the last storm, so watch out for some of these things. You know, When you're driving through puddles, uh, don't park under a tree. It seems obvious, but it might fall on your car. Um, don't drive through a puddle. You might... Uh, get water in your uh, exhaust and sort of flood the engine and then you'll have to wait for breakdown which is going to be irritating for you and initially we were a little bit hesitant about sending the email because essentially you're a car insurance company that offers support if someone claims telling people not to claim but actually the response that we got was incredible because people were saying thank you so much that's this, this is really timely information based on data that I believe and it's genuinely useful for me and Anyone can do that. Um, you just need to think about what someone might actually need at that point in time. Did you get less claims uh, in that uh, CAT event? Uh, we did, um, but it's hard to say. It was the second storm, so people may have learned from the first storm of their own accord um, that it was going to be a pretty serious storm. Uh, we, you know, it's, it's hard to link that to the to the email itself, but it. It, you know, we, 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 we do that sort of, so at the moment we're sending out people car battery alerts uh, to let them know if their car battery is running low because no one's driving because of coronavirus. And it's not costing us a great deal of money to, to process that data that we already have access to. We're just presenting it in a different way. The, um, I think it's a really interesting point, Sarah. I, I, I think what Hero is doing, what BioMiles are doing, and many of the other new startups in the space are giving the opportunity for digital engagement to the completely different way, maybe even prevention before we get to claim. One of my favorites is in North America, they contact their customers 82 times a year, but it's more of a, it's a motor insurer. They're more of a community of people that are passionate about what they insure. It's classic car insurance, as opposed to uh, run of the mill commuting or parking in the station or whatever else. My, my challenge here, I go back to, and I get challenged on time and time again is, do we actually just not care at all and i'm sorry to say it feels like from the conversations i have with our clients that more times than not price is the primary factor and it's the knockout factor so for example if even if you had a great claims experience and the next provider is 25 pounds cheaper and that represents a 10 percent saving you might be just tempted to move because 10% is 10%. But Nigel, haven't we in that moment, when a person goes to a price comparison site, is that actually not the sign that we as the insurer have already done everything wrong? 
because we should have gotten this person excited and making a fan, a passionate, you know, uh, uh, evangelist of us as company and our brand long, long, long before he even thinks about that. Why do people buy cell phones from Apple that are hundreds and hundreds of dollars more expensive than the from the competitor? And by the way, I know the Apple community is going to hate me, uh, are not so much uh, uh, better in a lot of uh, cases, at least not justifying that amount of money. And I think that's uh, what you need to do. And Sarah asked the question, what would you suggest? I think uh, digital services uh, and uh, helping the client as, uh, as Oliver described, I think that's a super smart thing. But in the end, I think you need to be on the radar of the people. You need to be dominant in your market. When a person thinks about something that's related to you, uh, a problem, you need to be the solution. You should not not communicate with the client like the German CEO, but like what you talked about, about the classic car insurance, you need to be really dominant in that space. And then people do not go for 20 bucks because it's an effort. And you, one, one thing I wanted to do, it's maybe a topic for a different uh, show, is by the way, for what kind of demographics in our society do we actually do products? Um, and in a lot of cases, it is for a um, for, for low income and not for, for, for high income. And I think that's also a big, big, uh, big, big topic here. But I think not a lot. And we see studies. Money is not always the main uh, reason why people change products and pro, uh, supplier. And there are other factors uh, there too. And I think we're just not communicating them. Robin, I think this goes back to the geography and knowing your customers to your point is critical. I don't know a single person in the UK that gets their renewal and doesn't check the price comparison site to go, is it fair? Because you need a baseline to go, it's gone up, but actually has everyone else has gone up by an equal amount. So if Oliver's getting a renewal from, from buy miles, or I get my renewal from buy miles, um, do I, I need a baseline to check it against somewhere. So, and I would do that whether I'm buying gas, water, or electricity. So Sarah, Oliver, Christian, you know, my question to you guys, as you wrap up is when you get your renewal, whether it's home, motor, pet or health, do you baseline it on a price comparison site to make sure it's a fair price or not? I don't. I don't. And, you know, the statistics say something different than what you've just said. Uh, as, as I mentioned, it, it's just a psychological factor. The current retention rate is 62%, which means two and a half years on average, means people do not always check their renewal price. They do not compare themselves themselves against unless the, the price uplift is kind of beyond the pain, of, you know, pain threshold, I would say. And then makes them query shit. You know, I, I was paying six hundred pounds an hour, suddenly eight hundred. That's 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 a bit dodgy, weird. And 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 I, yeah, many people shop. Shop once they've realised that you know the the price have uh, has gone up, they will shop and they'll ch check the comparison websites. But I, personally, I I haven't used per, uh, a price comparison website for ever. I, I just don't. Um, maybe just just you know now as part of my business, but previously in my previous life I didn't. Do you um, want to just comment on the the previous question about digital, yes. and then so, I'll so, wrap that so, up. So, I'll, 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 first of all, I'll start with something to do with whether uh, the the traditional kind of incumbent players can change. And my take on that is it's going to be very difficult for them uh, because <laughs> as I just just from discussions, I haven't checked it, uh, but from my discussions with with a number of uh, insurers, the, 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 most of them, um, in most cases. The, the the tenure of a CEO is three years. So the very first year he, he tries to make a, you know an impact on the business and 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 shine and and change something, but he can't because of the culture, because of the bureaucracy and everything else. So the for, for the for the second year he just just stays there, survives, and the the, the third year is 
spent preparing his CV for for the next you know the, the next job. So they just they just don't have enough power. There is no one uh, at the top driving the change. So it's going to be very difficult for them. But when it comes to you know uh, just from my kind of personal experience. Um, I believe in order to change the perception of, of, of the perception of insurance uh, and and to build trust, uh, we do have to become transparent and we have to provide many more digital touch points. And uh, uh, in, in by miles case, obviously, you know the people people are more engaged. As I understand, you know uh, that's just just I don't know whether that's true or not, but I've been told that they interact with your app at least once a week, which is which is good. Um, Where'd you get but, that data? <laughs> <laughs> looks like we've got some connections. Um, uh, now, now the the but uh, I, I believe this is what we need to develop. This is this is what we need to achieve. And uh, uh, Hero, this is what we are trying to do. So we want to provide value beyond just being there when there's a you know when there's a claim. Uh, so for that reason, we are introducing a, a kind of a coaching mechanism to to make people more aware of uh, you know what, what's happening and what makes them a, a safer and better risk. Uh, we, we are introducing a smart marketplace where they can buy some technologies through us and save on the technology. So we are actually providing value whether they claim or not. Uh, and, and, and this, this is all very important. Um, and I see no reason why, 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 why other companies couldn't do it. Well, I, I see, I, I've already given you the reason they, they, they have legacy systems. The culture is not there and it's going to be difficult for, um, the, the, the big players to, to you know to, to change, uh, but there is a lot of space um, within the in- industry, especially you know new 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 kind of insure techs uh, th- that that can change this. Okay, cool. Thank you very much for that. I'm going to give uh, Robin and Oliver the quick chance to respond to Nido's question. If you could keep it snappy, gentlemen, and then we will um, we will wrap up. Uh, well, yeah, Nigel, um, I am one of those very savvy. Uh, if I do say so myself, I, I, I use the um, I use the cashback sites up the wazoo. I use every single comparison site. I check everything. I phone up the insurance company. I play them off against each other, and uh, and then I end up getting the, the best price. And I look every single time. And it is it is that point of just can you can you see what's the what's the what's the base what's the base level that I'm comparing? Hundred um, percent. And that's why I expected you to say honestly. I mean, and that would do it automatically. Robin, it yeah. might be different in Germany, right? Um, well, we don't have the, such a brutal renewal system, but uh, also insurance get renewed. Um, uh, but the, you don't have this bad, uh, well, we don't have this challenging situation. Uh, but um, I, um, when I need want to buy an, an insurance, I um, actually, yes, I go to a comparison site, but price is not the most important thing. Uh, trust, do I know the brand? Do I know some interior? And then I go to my agent and say, if you can get close to that, I'm happy to pay extra. And if I know he makes enough commission, I make him big pay my next lunch. So I think for me, it depends on the insurance in question. So I have, for example, jewelry insurance on some particular pieces of jewelry. Um, The increase every year when I get my renewal coat is usually so small that I just don't bother to look elsewhere. Um, With home insurance, do tend to check around, but then uh, for those who don't know, my partner works for InsurTech, so um, would you know would be rather silly if we didn't, given both of our careers. Um, and then if I'm doing something like travel insurance, which I don't usually buy an annual policy for, I usually buy on a trip by trip basis, which I am now very grateful for, <laughs> given current sets of circumstances. Um, I do go to a comparison site, but much like Robin, I don't just look at the price because I know about insurance and know what cover I actually need. I look through and check what is actually appropriate for me. 
All of that is to say exactly, not, but not only education, I am time rich. I do not have children. I do not have other commitments. I work, you know, eight till six, five days a week, most weeks. So I can dedicate the time to doing this. So there's, you know, having the, 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 the education and the knowledge to do it, but there's also having the luxury of having the time to do this, to sit down and dedicate time to comparing them. And I've got to accept there are a lot of people out there who just don't have that. They don't, you know, they're carving out two hours maybe, in their maybe day. That's, maybe that's my problem. I never had enough time to do that. To do well, that. What's really interesting is we've seen um, on, so on a particular side note, but we've seen an awful lot of people getting into investing recently for a number of reasons. But one of the ones that we found in some research we've actually done at 11FS is that people actually now have the time to sit down look at investing, see what it is and work out what's best for them. So I think, you know, that that education is one thing, as I said, but having that time is also incredibly valuable. And a lot of people just don't have that. Um, okay. I hate to leave the last word with me, but we are. I am wrapping up the discussion. I get the last word this week. Um, thank you so much to my guests and to Nigel, of course. Where can our listeners find out more about you and about your companies? Oliver? Uh, you can go to buymiles.co.uk, uh, follow us on Twitter at buymiles, uh, or find us on Facebook uh, in, or Instagram um, at go buy miles because buy miles wasn't available. <laughs> Perfect. Christian? Uh, just go to our website, gethero.com, uh, hero spelled with an I. So uh, get hiro.com and uh, you can find all the links to our social media further down in, uh, in, in the footnote because I don't remember them. <laughs> they weren't <laughs> very consistent. Okay. Well, that's, that's a perfect start. Robin, how about you? Yeah, you can uh, visit our homepage, digitalscouting.de on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Xing, on Spotify and on TikTok. So if you want to choose one where I am, go to TikTok because I want to be famous there before my daughter starts liking it so she never joins. I, you are my I'm first TikTok. I'm shaking my head. You are my first TikTok. Um, <laughs> thank you for that, Robin. Uh, Nigel, TikTok for you? No, I, I am on it and it's hilarious. It's You can waste hours talking about having time. My God, but Robin, you, I, I'm, I'm crying for you, my friend. I'm crying. Millions you can of views. You can cry. You can find me on Twitter at Nigel Walsh or on LinkedIn. Okay, and you can find me on Twitter at Sarah Kachansky. As always, you can find the show on Twitter at Tech Insiders or our 11FS LinkedIn page. That is 11 colon FS. And if you like what you've heard this week, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, which you can find on Spotify and your other podcast providers. Don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter for more news and content. That's 11FS.com forward slash newsletter. We'll be back soon. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>